0: Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, and designers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. On this episode, our very first episode, we're starting simple with just the three of us. That's me, Janice, the owner and host at Cozy Rock Cabin in Freeport, Maine and Justin and Sean, two of the owners and hosts at The Chalet Frame in Stratton, Vermont. So, welcome! We can't wait to introduce you to what we're creating, and to the three of us, as humans and as cabin owners and lovers. Thanks for joining us. We are so grateful that you're here. Oh, and one more thing. I really, really wish I were kidding when I tell you that I accidentally recorded this entire episode with my microphone facing the wrong way. So. Many apologies for my low-quality audio. Thankfully, Justin and Sean knew what they were doing, and I promise this will never happen again. Thanks for your patience as we figure this all out. So, welcome to the very first episode of Cabin Culture.
1: Very excited. Very excited to be
2: kicking this off. feel great. I think we made this happen a lot quicker than I expected,
0: honestly. Record time. Yeah. Yeah. Record time. Okay, I'm going to start by setting the scene where we are okay we are in an 800 square foot cabin with four humans and three dogs so if you hear a dog that's probably why the wood stove has been roaring all day so it's maybe 80 degrees in here but we've opened a couple windows so we're getting to a manageable temperature surrounded by justin and sean of the chalet frame i'm janice of cozy rock cabin and we are recording our very first podcast so here we are your first trip to cozy rock cabin first impressions
1: what I said to Janice when I got here is, it's better than pictures. I mean, you really got to be here to feel it. I mean, the sunlight coming through the. Obviously, we picked a nice clear day. We lucked out. It was great coming down the driveway. I don't think we've seen too many angles of it from that view, but it was. Yeah, so far it's been great. We got the full tour. I think we're going to be at a fire a little bit later, so we're excited for that.
0: It's not to love. I paid them before this podcast, just FYI. Yes, yes. So what did you, you think, Sean? I
1: I, I like
2: the way it was tucked away, and I think. I was partial to the chalet frame because we were so tucked away. And we came down a dirt road. That made me happy too. And that you're this close to the town too, which is super cool. And you have beautiful back area to it. Love that.
0: The rock, of course.
1: The rock's huge. One of the coziest rocks I've ever seen, to be honest. (laughs) I haven't seen a cozier one, so we're excited about that.
0: Yeah, so let's chat briefly. We're going to use this podcast as our first one, just the three of us, so that folks can kind of get a chance to know us behind the pictures that they see on social media. Um, So why don't we start real quick before we interview each other with just talking about how this podcast came to life, what our hopes and dreams are for it, what is the vision for what we're doing? So I'll let you guys start with that.
1: Originally, the thought was you're mostly scrolling through Instagram, you're seeing all these pictures of these places, you little captions, comments, but you never really get enough time to really dive into it. Uh, so, we thought this could be a good platform to really kind of dive deep into some of these people uh, you know, hosts, photographers, designers, architects, you know, everybody else, builders, and really get their story. A lot of these people, their voices aren't heard yet. So, like, you know, it, I think this is a good opportunity to really. Interview these people and, and do a good deep dive. I think we can uncover a lot, a lot of things. So, I think there's
2: like an interesting mix of, uh, we noticed when we started like the page and started sharing like our build was that, um, people were both interested in maybe building their own and just also interested in our story. Like we've had people comment just like, Hey, just like following along. And, um, I think sharing more about that and, Just being involved in this kind of culture that um, is a part of like getting away. And I think the timing has a lot to do with it too, with this pandemic thing where a lot of people are just trying to get out and explore too. So I think all that came together in something that needed to be done with more depth than uh, just, you know, 15 second stories or a picture or even,
1: you know, a reel. It's just kind of scratching the surface, I feel like, so we can get much deeper, I think, here.
0: Totally, totally. I find that on stories. I get so annoyed when it cuts me off after 30 seconds, which should be more than enough. But I'm like, no, it's more complicated than that. And you find yourself having to synthesize everything down to like 30-second, yes. bite-sized, shareable pieces. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's not always that simple. For me, the frustration mostly comes from questions and DMs, where everyone wants information. And I can totally relate to that, because in the midst of the build, I did too having been on the other side, there's just not quick answers to a lot of this stuff. It is really nuanced and you really do have to do the research yourself first. Right. And I struggled to find resources that engaged in more of the like nuance and depth and not just the like, here's my cost per square foot. Here's my builder. Here's the color of my side end. But all the pieces that go behind that, I think.
2: And there's so many angles too of, of different types of people that are involved. I think culture is a good word for it because there's people that are just interested in the builds. They're interested in the way things look. There's travelers, there's photographers, there's hosts, there's designers, there's interior designers. There's so many people involved in this very specific community that I think speaking to all of them, there's people interested in all their stories and what they're up to. Yeah,
0: I got a question just this morning that was like, do you struggle, your audience is a mix of travelers, Mm -hmm. hosts, um, you know, people in the Airbnb space, like, how do you speak to all of them? And I was like, wow, I've never really, like, I know that that's real because I hear from all of them, but I've never thought of that as an obstacle. In fact, I kind of like that, that there's all these people interested in the same things that I'm interested in for different reasons. I think that's what interests me about this being called cabin culture and engaging people from all parts of that, whether it's other hosts, people who just like going to cabins, people who are dreaming about building a cabin, like there's just so many different people involved in that world, all bringing different perspectives. And I guess I kind of view that as a strength, not necessarily like something we have to like, work through. No,
2: I think it's awesome exploring each piece of it.
0: Yeah, cool. So let's dive in. We're going to do this first episode, we're going to have You know, different folks on in the future. But for this episode, it's just us three. So we're going to take turns interviewing each other. So why don't you start by telling us about the Chalet Frame in an elevator pitch format. So a short 30 second version of what you've created. I'll let each of you give your own version since there are two of you. And I should probably clarify that there are three people who run the Chalet Frame. And you all will probably share more about that. Two of you are here today and are going to be working on the podcast with us. But there is a third behind the Chalet Frame. And I don't want to forget about him either so why don't you each give us the 30 second
2: the 30 second elevator pitch would be an escape from a city in a glamping manner that gives you access to all the things that vermont has to offer while still being secluded i i think that's it came from a place of research initially to try and figure out where we could place this thing that people would be interested year round and i think vermont makes that easy cuz there's activities going around and um and on top of all that some place where we could have fun as friends and family to go up there and just hang out and relax and get away from you know text notifications stuff like that.
1: Yeah, i think the location like you said is great. I mean, we're located right between two major ski areas, you know, Stratton and Mount Snow. And right off of Route 100, but far enough where, honestly, you can't see a streetlight. We barely have neighbors. Uh, so you're pretty isolated. You kind of feel like you're in your own world. Yeah, I think it all started. And again, and it starts with the land. That's the first thing you're looking at is, you know, where are we going to put this? And you walk a lot of pieces of land. And it's like, you know, how are you deciding if this land is pe- better than that piece? You know, you can't walk two acres of land and, and tell. But you kind of go out there, you get a feel for it. And then you just pull the trigger and then
0: you go. Sweet. I'm going to ask you questions about the build coming up next, for sure, because I have a lot of questions about that. But I am kind of intrigued by the human side of this first, because you are the first cabin that I followed on Instagram that is a team of folks who are not married. So not necessarily that you all aren't married, but aren't married. (laughs) Me, Sean, and Ryan
1: are not married. Yes. (laughs) And
0: that's unique, I feel like, from what I've seen in the cabin world. So I'd love, can you describe the dynamic of the three of you who are behind the Chalet Frame and kind of how that partnership came to be?
2: Yeah, I think it starts probably initially. I don't know. There's a lot of pieces to it. Justin and I went to college together for architecture, graduated in 2013 with a master's in architecture. Shortly after that, got me a job at the company he was working at after college and, um, we're doing, you know, architecture related things, but, uh, I think in architecture school, you're doing a lot of designing, creating with no bounds. Uh, they give you some bounds, but it's very creative. And, um, when you get into the workforce nine to five, especially in the real world, there's not, there's not so many, yeah, there's not so many creative opportunities and there's a lot more rules. So we were looking, I think we didn't know it maybe, um, but we were looking for something to kind of branch out and do something creative. And Justin been in real estate for a little bit, long-term real estate. And, um, I think we started starting to find like a path that way.
1: Yeah, I think we needed kind of. I guess you can call it a, a passion project, which is maybe cliche, but I think we needed that. We needed a, a creative outlet somewhere we could really just let loose and, and design something cool. I mean, originally us, you know, us three were designing it kind of for ourselves. I guess I was, you know, that might sound selfish, but we started that way, and then we thought maybe we can turn this into a rental and something we can share with others. That could be a cool thing, which did kind of impact some of our design decisions. But we loved it. I mean, that was putting some constraints on it, so it kind of gave us some some resistance to work around and that's like when you can get creative when you have these boundaries so we thought you know so we just started going with it and then my brother ryan who's also involved he's obviously not here but uh, he's an accountant by day but he's also he just needed something else that you can kind of just get creative and let loose and we can all just sit around a table and just like get ideas going and have it come together and i mean again we made it for ourselves but then we you know we made it to share with everyone else obviously through renting but that's that's kind of how we got started i guess
2: I think going back to your whole like team thing and not married people pre chalet, we actually have an investment in a multifamily rental. So the three of you do. Uh, Yeah. And um, I think that kind of bridged the gap a little bit to making it easier. We already had that on our plate. And then from the very beginning, we were saying we had a really good team dynamic. Justin and I have been friends for a long time. I lived with his brother for a few years Uh, before that. And we all kind of had lanes that I think we were comfortable in that all came together to make this successful. Justin has project management experience. I'm a little bit better on the technology and and media side of things. We both went to school for design. Ryan could handle all the paperwork and money and stuff like that. And um, it seemed like everyone could just kind of take down what they wanted to take down and we would get the job done.
0: Okay, so the teamwork aspect is really fascinating to me in terms of how you split things up. You were mentioning a little bit about your lanes of genius in terms of skill set, but I think the area that likely gets the most tricky for a lot of people who would split something like this is the financial stuff. How did you work through any tricky elements of that, like conflicts in what we splurge on, what we don't splurge on, what we need to make, how often we can use it? What did those conversations look like early on?
2: Uh, It's always been a group chat. And it's always been three thumbs up. Yeah. Three thumbs up emoji is how we decide on things. If we don't have three, we don't move forward or we, you know, we listen to everyone's decisions. I think Justin has a really good design eye. So Ryan and I usually take kind of a, a more back seat to that. If Justin brings up something and kind of pitches it, we can say, oh, we can see it that way or, you know, and, and he has in mind how much money we have to spend anyway. So it's like, it's never getting crazy. Um, but like things like the stair was really expensive and,
0: and beautiful, but, yeah, but beautiful
2: and nice. Yes. And, and we all came to the conclusion that that would be a big piece of what we we're building and it was worth the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. things like that. And then that's how we looked at it. I was like, money well spent. So there's certain features of the house where, I mean, you don't ever want to admit to making cuts, but like, that's the reality of it. You only have so much money to spend.
0: Ooh, tell me about that. What was one cut that you had to make that you are like, oh, I wish we didn't have to do that.
1: One cut was definitely not the staircase. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean... Unfortunately, honestly, I think the cut we made was our labor into the house. I think because we worked on it so much ourselves, we were able to maybe spend a bit more on materials because we weren't paying a crazy amount for someone else to do it, which is good and bad. Bad because we spent a lot of weekends there working, uh, but good because then we can say, okay, we want you know this higher end finish and we can, we can put this in ourselves and we'll save money there. Uh, but when we couldn't do that, I'm trying to think where we uh
2: I don't know if we were ever like married to something that was too expensive, honestly, that we like, we're like, ah, we can't do that. I think a lot of the things were just like, oh, we can do that in the future. So, you know, we picked things that were along the lines of like, we can get this done. It's going to look good this way. And we'll make up the money elsewhere or something like that. And again, like it's, that. it's
1: kind of like you don't want to ever admit to making those cuts, but you just more see it as, I mean, that's just the whole creative process. So it's like, you have a budget that's a reality so that's a constraint and you have all these other size limitations or furniture pieces or so this is just another constraint that you had to add to the mix so it's like in the end i wouldn't say oh we made a cut here I would just say like, we went through the whole process and we ended up here. So it's like, you always feel good about it. You never feel like, oh, we cheaped out on the cabinets or something, but.
0: It's like part of the creative exercise of it. Like you wanted a creative outlet and without constraints, it's actually not that creative. Which
1: isn't fun. You
0: need a little bit of constraints, whether it's the land and what it presents, the Otherwise
1: you just make a twisty tower and it goes a I mean, yeah, it's no fun. So it's good to have some, some constraints for sure.
0: What was the biggest fight that you got in? during the build be honest with the people source of conflict
2: front and front and back of uh (laughs) front and back of the a-frame was and that's not something that like ends up being a big part of the uh the design but like initially when we're laying it out we were trying to figure out what's the back and what's the front you arrive on the back of what we designed and then the front would be i still disagree on the but
1: north i i'd say the front is the glass wall john says the front is the back door wall where the bedrooms are <laughs> i think those are only disagreement i don't think we have agreed on it yet so i think and it front... didn't really
0: impact the build it's more just what you call it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really it was very really confusing okay, this doesn't is a pretty good any. answer yeah it doesn't <laughs> matter
1: i think yeah i think <laughs> otherwise i think we we all agreed on most things it was it turned out pretty well Hey guys, this is Justin from the Chalet. If you're not already listening to this podcast in a cabin or on your way to one, I'd just like to take a second to let you know that our spring calendar is open, along with a few winter nights to get that last-minute ski trip in before the season ends. I'd also like to remind you that our A-frame comfortably sleeps up to six guests. We're located just 10 minutes to Mount Snow, 15 minutes to Shraton Mountain, and we're surrounded by tons of trailhead access, including the famous Long Trail. Oh, and the food and drink scene here in Vermont is incredible, since most of it's either raised, crafted, caught, or brewed locally, so you definitely don't want to miss out on this. But to learn more, you can find a link to our page in the show notes below. We hope to see you soon, and enjoy the rest of the show.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the actual cabin, which we've touched on, but... There are a lot of A-frames popping up recently. It feels like a very trendy, although actually it's kind of vintage, but like it's coming back as just a a popular build. Right? Why the A-frame for you all and what makes yours different from a lot of the other ones that one might see?
2: I think location probably was the biggest part of our our build more so than the design. I think we also thought an A-frame was simpler to build than... um, something else. So it was, turns out it's not, no, right? it's not, <laughs> it's not, or whoever we worked with didn't see it that way either. But yeah, I think we went into it thinking this will be, you know, simple. We pictured it from the beginning as a roof on the ground. <laughs> so we were like, this is no problem. Like if anyone can build a house, they could build a roof on the ground. Um, I think it's equally as complicated as, you know, a normal house build, we like kind of simple, clean forms and that stuck out to us. And that was kind of what we were seeing in the Instagram community when we were kind of looking through this and dreaming up this idea. And we just, we just ran with it. And,
1: um, I think it's just like that, that forum, that like pure symmetry in the woods. It's like, I'm just a sucker for that. I'm just a sucker for it. So it's like, you got the woods and as long as you're, you know, surrounded and tucked into the right setting, which we are,
2: We were excited about the history of it too. Yeah, I mean, in like the '70s, as something that was quote unquote simple to build, but it was they popped up all around the ski areas, and that's where we were looking to build. So we thought that fit well with the kind of story we were trying to build. And um, yeah, I think I think it was clean and sharp,
0: and and we thought we could accomplish it. And you did. We did. Here we are. When did you open and launch? It was this
1: September first. Was our yeah when we put it live on Airbnb. So we just made it, just made it for the fall. Yeah, that was our whole thing. Was like if we can open for the fall, we'll be good. I mean, even though it took a lot longer than we expected, we're like if we can just make it through the summer, be ready for all the leafs. you note in the fall. though,
2: if your if your plan is to open something for the fall, I would say shoot for the season before because we're taking pictures in the summer, which still came out you know great to be able to list it but we had no pictures of it as we wanted it to open yeah. in the fall and that was our best spot. So we end, we ended up getting a few people in there and getting some pictures, but um, I think we could have done better on that.
1: You know, or just people planning ahead for the fall. If you're going to travel in the fall, you might be making those plans in the summer and we're like, all right, it's fall. Who wants to come? And everyone had already made their plans, right. so, which it still worked out fine again. But yeah, you know, if I would have done it better, I would have been open in the summer, you know, took the summer maybe a little hit there, been completely good for the fall.
0: Yeah, and looking back at the build, cuz a lot of folks that I've talked to are either in the process of building or wanting to build. What would be your biggest what was the biggest thing you all learned through the build? And what was the biggest mistake that you made in the build? Thing that you would do differently if you were to do it tomorrow?
1: Pick a better builder.
0: For mm, sure. Tell me more about that.
1: I mean, it's tough because I mean, when we did it, it was the, you know, we bought the land in February right before the pandemic and uh, the pandemic hit. So it was 2020 when we were planning the whole thing. So we were getting everything engineered, we were finding a builder, you know, getting all the material, all the quotes and everything. So it wasn't really the ideal time, ideal time to buy the piece of land in retrospect, but not for planning the build. Uh, we reached out to a lot of builders. Uh, a lot of them obviously were busy at that time. I know we met this one. And we had a great relationship uh, with him and we actually met up a lot on site and it was great. And I think just like everyone else, you know, he might've got busy, you know, he, wasn't, he didn't have like a full crew. He was kind of a one man show, but a nice guy. He showed us some of his work and it was really nice. Um, so we felt good about him and we'd keep talking, you know, before we pulled the trigger and went under contract with him, like, how do we feel about him? And I was like, guy oh, okay. seems like a good guy, solid guy. We met up with him enough. He gets the vision, um, which we thought. Uh, which is also important to make sure if you're doing something special like an A-frame or even just a cabin, like they need to buy into it. Like they need to get the vision. This is not a spec home. There's going to be things in here that are quirky that might not make sense or weird finishes that aren't typical in a normal home. So like they're going to try to push something and you got to just really you know hold your ground and say, no, no, this is what I want. I need you to understand. Yes, and it's tough because at the same time you're balancing, you want a good relationship. So it's very hard to say, to stay firm, but then also say but, you know, to not piss him off because that's your builder. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think looking back, I think, I don't think we could have done anything better. I think I still felt good about our decision that we made. But uh, I think right. he just got busy. And
2: I give a ton of the credit to Justin because he put a push on something that I don't think was priority while we were building. So, and you have to, st- we didn't have a project manager we were the project managers and, mm-hmm. and mostly Justin and you have to keep because your your project gets pushed off for the next one that oh, it's squeaky wheel gets the grease yeah
0: that's real
2: so and and you know we have a timeline too to make it can't take forever there's financial parts of that too that are in motion so you have to be able to communicate with your builder and you have to be able to Put your foot down and really make a stand when things aren't going the way you want it to. And he did it time and time again. That was you, Justin? Yeah,
1: you were the squeaky (laughs) wheel? I was the squeaky wheel, yeah. I wasn't I was in in like a very,
2: you know, very calculated way and and nothing ever got out of hand. And I think it was it was really well done, but it it's not in my personality to do that. And again, like the whole team thing he took it on and put his head down on that. And I put my head down on their stuff and Ryan did too. So I think that ended up working out or else I might've passed away from stress.
1: Yeah, it was, it was stressful. Definitely. And how stressful. are you feeling, Justin? Was, you know, definitely stress, definitely stressful. But you know, I was a little, I knew going in, obviously it wasn't going to be smooth. I mean, you're building a new house. We're from Massachusetts, so we're doing it remote. We had a builder, but I knew there was going to be a certain level of managing the manager. I guess, um, but yeah, then it just didn't work out. We obviously had to have our best interest in mind. So, at what at point did you point. leave
0: your builder? Like, was there a moment where you were like, "This just, can't, I can't keep doing this"?
1: It was kind of like, a, uh, how do they say it these days, a silent, <laughs> silent quitting, silent quit. Well, or he silently quit on you? I think almost. Well, almost the other way, but yeah, it was. It got. It just got ended it. up like we needed
2: things done, and luckily. Justin and his dad and Ryan are pretty handy in that. They've done renovations for the long-term places. So it just became, okay, then we have to do it. And then, okay, then we'll have to do that. And then it was just like, we got deadlines to meet and other contractors coming in. Like it needs to be done by this time or else we're in deep trouble. And him and his dad and and Ryan would show up and do whatever needed to get done so that we could get the next trade in there.
1: Yeah, which I think, I don't know, sometimes it's, it's good knowing how to like be handy and knowing how to do these things. Cause you can always fall back on that as a crutch. But then sometimes I try to pretend like I don't know how to do these things. Cause I think like, I'm going to fall back on that. And that's where the mess happens. Like, I got to just stay focused on my builder doing the thing that we hired him to do. Um, but I think maybe he was more passive by nature and he might've got too busy. So we kind of put us on the back burner he didn't have a big crew. So we had like a guy, if that guy was busy for four months, he's like, well, he'll be ready in the spring. And it's like, well, we can't wait. You know that long so i'd have to go out and find people to do it and now i'm managing them well he's got you know people there and it got messy and then we'd have to go in there and there's so much stuff you know th- people think when you build a house it's you know plumbing hvac framing but there's so many little things <laughs> that bridge all the gaps of all the trades and this guy didn't make the wall thick enough so i can't do my thing here and and now you got to go up there on a weekend spend the weekend framing things and yeah definitely got definitely got messy but Again, we just, we knew we had to get it done and we had a timeline and so we kind of had to get involved, but it was definitely harder being from mass doing this in Vermont, having no How connections. How far is the drive? It was an hour and a half, hour 45 yeah, so minutes. So not right around the corner. Right. It takes a trip. And you so couldn't stay there. Where did you stay right. when you were doing it? I would just come home by like You just do it for late. The day. Yeah. So we'd go up there bright and early and come back really late and it was, it was pretty exhausting, but you know. I'm happy. I'm happy we did it at this point. Yeah, it's it done. It out, but so did, we had to get it Near done.
2: the end of it, I think we were saying this needs to happen way different next time. Yeah. We need to find someone we're, we're very comfortable with that we can, you know, whatever money we will have to pay for that, that's so valuable. But you can trust
0: to, them with their piece of it and just worry about. Yeah. It's
1: just being extremely transparent in the beginning about schedule, about budget, about, you know, essentially their schedule, their, you know, their manpower, how many guys do they have? Like, can they take this job on? and maybe hold them to a contract. Our contract was a little loose. Uh, these were certain kind of decisions we had to make to get the job going, so. But, yeah, make sure you focus on your builder. That's extremely important. Key Big takeaway, key takeaway, uh, Big yeah.
0: Okay, so talk to me a little bit about branding. Because there's so many short-term rentals that are popping up and more and more of them you're seeing on Instagram, which is how we met and how probably a lot of the folks listening to this have found us. How did you all think about branding? I feel like it's more important now that there's so many people in this space. How did you all think about that from the early stages of the build? Did you think about it? What did that look like? I think
1: That's kind of how this whole thing happened, I want to say.
0: Oh, it started with branding?
1: This was, this. I mean, this. we're branding guys, <laughs> me, and, me and Sean have always had a thing where we like to just, I don't know, we do little spitball exercises. We like to come up with funny names or whatever else, but we had talked about making a cabin and then one day I was at work and I was eating lunch and I was just like looking through the Instagram, looking at different people's names and they all had like kind of little fun, creative names. And I was just like, oh, like how could we spin on like a frame or something like that would be cool. And then I was just looking into, like, you know, branching out on, like, you know, cabins, cottages, chalets. And then I was like, oh, chalet's cool. I looked into chalet. I was like, oh, you know, mountains and the alpines. I was like, oh, chalet. And I was like, oh, you know, what if it was chalet? Like, chalet with an A, A A-frame. And I immediately, obviously, texted Sean while I was at lunch.
0: Not the group chat.
1: just Just Sean at this point. There was still no group chat. I said, hey, Sean, how about the chalet or the chalet frame? And I sent him my thought process and then, you know, he sent me obviously a gift. That's how we talk mostly. Is in, I think I in said GIF. take
2: my money and then I sent a GIF of cash being thrown.
1: So then we got really excited about the name. We obviously, Sean, immediately went on, took the IG handle, made a Facebook page. I mean, it was... My way to
0: do it. Right there, friends. Completely
1: <laughs> premature. I mean, this Step was...
0: one. Yeah. Just confirm the IG handle.
1: Yeah, so it was completely, uh, you know, whatever. We did it our own way. And then obviously we, you know, we text Ryan. like, hey, man, you want to build a cabin? Here's what the name's going to be. I think it's going to be an A-frame. We're not sure where. I don't know any other details. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm in." He's like, "Let's do this." And then we. So just, the branding
0: served you well from the very beginning. You recruited your your third team member solely based on the name. I
2: think I, yeah, it gives you a good you know direction. I think when we could talk about it, I think we even had like a pretty long meeting at Justin's house to begin talking about like what specifically we wanted. I had been watching um kyle dempsey's videos and i liked the way he was capturing new england and i got all inspired and like we could do this this and this with zero with zero camera experience by the way i was like i could figure this out and we had a lot of talks about um like what we're gonna show you know in this whole build and i think initially we were all like We're not on camera. We're not, you know, none of our faces. And it shows all the way to here until we met Janice. And then she forced us on camera.
0: Yeah, every conversation. Why aren't you guys ever on camera?
1: Well, yeah, that was tough. And I realized looking back, probably wasn't the best decision, maybe. But our thought... I
2: think that, yeah, the thought was like, it was more about the stay than like us. But somewhere along the line, I think when I was capturing pictures, there's like only so much you can take of like framing and right. stuff without people right. in it. And then I started to, as they were comfortable with like not paying attention to the camera and me just getting whatever. And we started, you know, putting together stuff more that way. And then I, we finally took like a picture all together. At the very end of it, at the very end,
1: <laughs> and it's and it's yeah, it's unfortunate because looking back, I guess it's like it makes sense because it's like you have this house, but then it's like after we're done building it and everything's behind us, it's like there's always people behind the house, so it's like I think that's what people are interested in. It's like this house doesn't just get built by magic. Like there was a lot of stuff in the works, the personality on these people, like what kind of people like built such a house.
0: And you guys are fun guys too. It's not and, like you're void of personality, which would be a reason to not show your house camera. I, think, I feel like if you're like I don't have much to offer, but that's not the case. Right.
1: And I think we we thought that a lot we're like oh man like you know and i think we thought the same way like there's not like just like three guys doing this like you know you know few friends just building an a frame like we i think we have something cool here and i don't know we just never even did that it.
0: scenario three friends building it. i've never seen that before on instagram so that became almost more endearing because i was like how are they doing this well like we're
1: three friends building an a frame <laughs> three best friends
2: that anyone could have <laughs> yeah. so anyway, um, we
1: missed that but
2: yeah and i think there was there's an initial part where Justin and i have like had car talks where we've said that if we don't make use of the internet in our lifetime for like work purposes, then we like failed our parents (laughs) because like they got us to this point. And if there's some way we can build on top of that using something that they didn't have. And like the internet's the most powerful thing that exists period. And it's like, we can make Use okay. of this. yeah, exactly. and And we were like, okay, let's do something creative that we're all interested in, which is real estate, which is design, which is everything, something that financially makes sense, something that we could either be flat on or make some money on as a business, and then something that can grow using you know the advantage of internet and sharing and social media. So all that came together and that, that was kind of the vision. And then somewhere along the line, we talked to you and we realized how excited you were about the stay and the experience. And I think that kind of started to build into what we're doing. Like, oh, we need to figure this out a bit more because we're going to have people staying there eventually. And we were just thinking of the build, the build, the build. So...
0: Well, no, one step in front of the other. I had been hosting before, too, so that makes it easier. I never had to worry about a build with the first one. I could just dive right into hosting, so that's where my brain by very default nice. went. Which but, I think
1: is very helpful, yeah.
0: Yeah, but once you have got past the build, I mean, it's kind of hard if you've never hosted before. It's kind of hard to think about this thing that you've never done when you have this huge thing in front of right. you that you have to get through first, so...
1: Or it's just like switching gears so quickly. It's just like all you're thinking about 24 hours a day is this build. We got to get this thing. I called this guy. We got to finish this, finish that, and all of a sudden it's done. And now it's just like, oh, well now we got. Oh, to, shit. Now we got to figure this <laughs> whole, whole other world. big yeah. thing, which is an entire thing that you, obviously there's plenty you know of information on. So it's like there was a lot to learn quickly. I Think going back to
2: that like initial creative thing, we still have that, and we learned a ton of stuff on this first build. And had a ton more ideas that we wanted to incorporate into something. So I think it's like, how can we do this better or bigger, or you know, make a cooler experience for people. And we've started to learn that like, uh, trying to branch out from like a less generic. I think we built a pretty solid A-frame, but I, the next one, you know what gets people excited about it they haven't seen an a-frame before or stayed in one and it's like okay so for the people that have stayed in an a frame how can we make it even cooler to stay so um yeah just that creative aspect uh
0: i think this is why it gets addicting for people and i don't i don't think i think there are cases where it's financial and you see oh i'm making x amount of money on this right. one but i actually don't think that's the driving factor for most people i think it's this to get into this you have to have a desire for some creativity In this
1: space, yeah. In this space,
0: yeah, especially in the cabin space. And once you do it once, you learn so much that how can you not want to do it again? How can you not want to put everything that you've learned into practice? Make the the experience
1: even crazier or or more yeah, right, remarkable, I guess. Right,
0: so it totally makes sense that it might be a different format too so that it still has that element of creativity but you can apply the lessons that you learned from this one towards the next one.
2: I think we've, we liked the, we really liked the initial part of it going up before we had anything cleared and just, we did it a bunch of times or, you know, we had a couple things to do like mark out, maybe where the well or the, or the drilling was going to happen. But like, we just stood out in the woods, maybe made a fire, maybe didn't and just hung out, drank some beers. And like just being out in the woods anywhere was really cool. And I think we're, we're interested in the destination too. We've talked about that just being in cool locations. So I think that's a big part of it too.
0: Hey guys, this is Janice. And in case you haven't figured it out already, we're pretty new at this whole podcasting thing. So it'd be a huge help if you wouldn't mind taking a second to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and some kind words over on Apple Podcast. This goes a long way in helping other cabin lovers find these conversations and hopefully become a part of them. Thank you so much. And we're excited to share more with you. It's time. Hour in,
2: We're going to flip it. I'm interested in, I think, similar to the questioning on our side, the timeline aspect of this. We started talking to you. You already had Boom Cabin, mm-hmm. and that's a bit bigger. Can you talk about what made you decide to do something similar but almost completely different in a completely different location?
0: So my first hosting... Person- experience was actually in my own house. So I, a little known fact, ran a startup back in the day, and went out to California and was in an accelerator in California. And it happened to be the sister accelerator to the one that the Airbnb founders went through. And they went in, they went through it shortly before I did. So when we were out there, my investors and advisors were constantly talking about Airbnb to us and telling us because these founders, they like loved them, they were just starting to like find some success. And I was like, "Huh, what is this Airbnb? And I don't think I'd used it yet at that point. And so I started looking it up. And when I got back to North Carolina, I was like, I'm going to Airbnb my guest room. I'm going to kick out my roommate. This sounds great. I have more control over my house. I'm going to set up a little Airbnb here. And like absolutely loved it. Met so many cool people. Like most notable experience was this like amazing Irish woman who was in town for a week for a psychology conference. And a hurricane happened to like hit. And so we were both like, in the house, like cooking meals every night together, sharing wine every night. Like at the end of it, she left me this long note that was like, please come stay with me in Ireland. It was so great meeting you. But that was like the kind of experiences that I was having and just loved them. Um, And on the other side, not my driving motivator, but it paid my mortgage. Like I never had to pay my mortgage anymore. And so I did think about the financial side. I had a lifelong dream of owning a cabin in Boone and had a very small savings account that I was going to use to do that but airbnb was like teaching me that i could do it earlier probably than i had planned if i rented it so i really just needed the startup capital and so that was the next one just because i loved boone and always went for 10 years i've been going to cabins there with friends so i knew a little bit about or a decent amount about that rental market from a traveler perspective and that helped
1: definitely helped
0: yeah and that one never paid a mortgage there from day one we always were able to book weekends. Um, weren't making a ton of money but I didn't care about that I cared about sharing Boone with other people in a way that like I could also host my friends so we had to stop we could stop renting other places and just we'd all hang out there yeah Um, and I loved it but it was a really large house it was a foreclosure and so there was a decent amount of maintenance to be done and I just didn't have as much control as I would want I was
1: Rehab? Or was Not it much. It was actually yeah, pretty good 48. shape
0: for, for closure. Most of the stuff that I had to do was like very unsexy stuff. Yeah. Like um I had to replace a retaining wall $65,000 within the first two years of buying it because I didn't have a structural engineer come in before I bought it. I'll never buy a house without doing a structural inspection right. but I didn't do that. And found out shortly afterwards that, like, oh, your house is going to fall down this mountain that it's on if you don't replace this retaining wall. How
1: old is the house? Is it, like, a really...
0: uh... The 80s. It's just a shittily built. They had one retaining wall that was stone and one that was wood. And the wood one just didn't hold up. And so we had to replace that within, like, the first year. So a lot of it was unsexy stuff. But basically, I was like, oh, wow, my hands are tied in a lot of areas because I didn't design or build this house. So I had, like, a dream of one day building one. And I knew it would be in Maine because my like half my family is up here, and I just love Maine so much. And I viewed at this point Airbnbs as a way for me to like chase my own travel and retirement dreams and just do it earlier. Right. Um. So building up here was just always the dream. Um. Because my family's up here.
1: Then Freeport is Freeport. Where you spend most of your time, like, kind of childhood family, or is it just like in Maine and you landed on Freeport for other reasons? Freeport
0: was more of a like a, a. a stopping point for us. We always spent our summers going up to the lake in like Northern Maine, Quebec Lake. Yeah. And that was where all my fond memories are. But we would always stop in Freeport because that's where my uncle, aunt, and cousins were. So I'd spent a decent amount of time here and I liked Freeport. I didn't dislike it at all. But when my mom passed away in 2016, it just became more important to me to spend time with family. At that point, my grandparents were still alive and they were also here. Yeah. So it was like basically my entire mom's side of the family was all within a 15 minute like minute radius of one another here. So that made this a pretty easy answer for where i would probably want to build not to mention my cousin's a builder so that like i would joke with him for a while i was like oh you're gonna build my tree house in your backyard or my tiny house or
2: well, excited to think about one? building my entire house yeah
0: yeah and it was very much joking until the day that it wasn't yeah. and then i was like so corey about that tiny house <laughs> it's remember,
1: time remember you owe me that uh yeah think you promised that one time
0: yeah and I he think. was just like yeah i'm here
2: for it coming back it's super interesting that you went from the one-on-one person Airbnb experience a room in your house. And were you renting your bedroom and then like sleeping on the couch? No, it was a guest a bedroom. Okay.
0: It was a two bedroom house, but it's like a small. mill. yeah. It's I a mean, 1200 square foot mill house. Very intimate.
2: <laughs> I, yes. I think that's a, a super different experience on Airbnb where, you know, there's the option of it tells you initially if you're going to be staying with someone in a guest house, at a vacation house, stuff like that. And that's something I've not experienced. And
0: so you've never stayed in someone else's house before?
2: Uh, not with them there. Yeah.
0: it's a different experience my early airbnb experiences were all like that
2: austin we stayed in uh someone's like guest house in the back but even
0: that's if you don't have to share a kitchen and like a bathroom with them like until you've like tried to fall asleep while someone's throwing a party in their apartment while you're staying there you haven't truly experienced airbnb in my opinion
1: yeah i i think that
2: yeah that, that lends to your personality you're very much a people person from the short time we've spent with you and I think you absolutely have to be. And on the other side of things, the guest, like th- those people that are going to stay in someone's house with someone is going to be a people person, someone that's up for experiences. Sometimes. Or no? Sometimes.
0: Do
1: you have any horror stories? Name one horror story. Okay. I mean, Everything I have funny success, stories,
0: yes. but because I'm a people person, I don't view many of them as horror stories. I'm more just like, oh, that was a treat. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we were right near a wedding venue, and so we hosted a lot of couples who were in town for a wedding, and they could walk home from the wedding venue. Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Um, but a lot of times, weirdly enough, like one of them was in the wedding party, and the other one would just have a lot of free time on their hands. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a people person, so... Yeah. I remember one Saturday night coming home, and we had a couple there. She was still partying at the wedding he had come home was super drunk oh, and i'm a host at heart so i was like oh do you want anything can i get you a beer like i just come home from a wedding because i filmed them so i was like importing footage he's like yeah, yeah yeah i'll definitely take a beer my boyfriend at the time started drinking with him before you know it all three of us are drinking and like next thing you know he's like peeing off my back deck no, and he's uh, just like it's yeah. cool if i pee off your deck right uh, Yes. and again i'm such a people pleaser that i was just like i was like yeah, yeah, yeah no problem i mean the dogs pee back there like you know <laughs> and the next same. day i'm like did i just let someone pee off my back deck <laughs> That's a horror story, but that's probably the closest I've come.
1: That's another level of hosting. That's and then like a
0: huge
2: transition to how many bedrooms is Boone?
0: Three bedrooms, three bathrooms, and a full basement. It's like twenty six hundred square feet. So it's like a we. I mean, we were hosting eight to twelve people. So there, we'll get like snowboarders. Like we had to raise the prices (laughs) to avoid like frats because it's in a college town to avoid like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but much different kids, big groups of people and no, and very little interaction with folks. That was kind of the yeah. bummer about that one is like financially it was great. We got to go to the mountains all the time, yeah. but I didn't really interact with people as much, which I kind of missed from in your house. You know, exactly when they're coming, who they are, what they're doing, not in a nosy way, just in a, like you cross paths a lot, you know, and
2: it's also your space. So it's like knowing kind of something about the people that are sharing your space is probably yeah. good. Did you learn anything about being a little bit further away from the boon cabin and from when you were hosting? What what were some of the challenges there?
0: Yeah, because it's two and a half hours away from where I live. So immediately it's like that in your house, first of all, you already know something's going wrong because you live there. So I just didn't have a whole lot of like this isn't working or, you know, complaints, honestly, when they lived there, just when I lived there because I knew everything that was going on. So being two and a half hours away, it became really important to have like a team of people who were like I did all my own cleaning. So like finding a cleaner, finding a handyman, finding a plumber, finding an electrician. But it's like kind of a small rural area. So pretty quickly within that first year, I knew my plumber, I knew my electrician, I like knew all of them, had a good cleaner. And so that made it a lot easier and honestly. Until I started dating Sean, who can do a lot of that stuff, I never made a trip up there for an emergency. I just had the right people to call. So I was never traveling up there for that stuff. But I would try and go up once a month to enjoy it. And then while I was there, I would like stock supplies and check on everything and just do like small tweaks.
2: I think cabins are, you know, generally more remote things. So being a people person or just having conversations with people you meet is the way you get introduced to these people, these super crucial people that are going to help you out. Like we found some, you know, handyman, people are going to plow, people are going to cut down trees, do landscaping, stuff like that all through mostly Justin, just kind of talking to people on the phone and asking where they work and, you
1: know. other people that know small towns. yeah
2: and that's huge because there's no companies you know out in stratton vermont really that they're not large
0: companies like you'd find in a big city right so you're you're hiring individuals and for me i really like that element of it like here at cozy rock our snow removal folks we found on craigslist but it's a guy named ken and his son named leo and real nice guys right and like we met them they did an amazing job of snow removal but it turns out They also run an oyster company in not in their spare time. That's like their full time gig. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, yeah, we're opening an oyster bar down in Freeport like this spring, summer. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And you like get to know them. And then when we ended up having our wedding here, like that's where we ended up having our wedding reception. So to me, like it isn't even just people who are going to help you with your business, but it's also a community in its own way. And a way for you to like immerse yourself in the local community that I think can actually be really joyful on top of like, thank you so much for helping us out like we couldn't do this without you. Our cleaner here is an artist in the area who creates like beautiful artwork and has also become one of our like closest friends in Freeport. We love her. And so it is,
1: and they always do something else too. It's that which is, I think, that's the nice part. It's like okay, you, you're doing the plowing, but okay, what else are you doing? There's always another gig or something. That, stuff they, that or I, they know
0: someone, and when you view it as just community instead of like who can I hire to do this, yeah. unexpected joy mm-hmm. of managing it remotely.
2: What was your first step in cozy rock cabin towards making this and a reality? Like back to could be land it could be design it could be making a pinterest board like what was like what was like the first real step to figuring out something up here
0: definitely land yeah. i knew we could never do it without the right land and i mean and even before that honestly the financial piece is real and i always feel weird just like glossing over this mm-hmm. as if i had like magic amounts of money to like put into this but my grandmother died right before covid started my grandfather had passed away a year or two before and so when she died my sister and I were left money. And so like, I just want to acknowledge that like that privilege was a part of it. I would not have been able to afford to buy the land had that not happened. What I loved is that my grandpa's like favorite place in the world was always Maine. And it was why we spent our summers growing up here. And so there's a part of me that loves that when they left me that money, I immediately invested it in Maine. And that was like, honestly the first step. But once I had the money, then I had a better idea of budget and like what I could afford. So we immediately literally within weeks of realizing that we had inherited money from them started looking for land. We came up here in the summer and we looked at a couple pieces of land and it's like, I don't know if you guys found this, but buying land online is like, you get no concept. You can look at pictures all you want, but like you show up and one of them was like infested with mosquitoes, which is like real in the woods, but it was like beyond anything I'd experienced. And we stepped foot out of the car and they were literally attacking my face. Like 30 seconds later, I was in the car and I was like, I can't even look at this piece of land. And I was like, this is, it's a no go. Well,
1: that's what sucks. You know, you go online and you just get a picture of the woods and you go, okay, you know, is there a brook running in the middle of it? Is this a swamp land? Yeah, so you're out there walking the land, just listening for a running watt. I mean, it's it's tough. It's not like walking through houses. So buying land is a whole nother...
0: Houses, you can right. get a general idea. You still need to like walk through them to know. But with land, it was just like, these pictures do nothing for me. Another one, we showed up and it was right off the highway and you could hear the highway. And I was like, this is not my vision for a quiet cabin. And so we looked that summer and came home and had kind of given up on it. Like, we'll just wait a while and see. And then I saw a piece that popped up on, on Zillow and I was like, well, this one looks interesting. And I had my realtor come check it out. And she's like, ah, it's not that great. But there's a lot right across the street that literally went on sale yesterday. She's like, it has this beautiful rock ledge. There's blueberries growing on it. That was the moment she had me. I like love blueberries. I have memories of picking them on a mountain in Maine when I was a kid. And I was like, it has blueberries. I'm sold.
1: She was like, yeah, but also three acres and also. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Trees. Okay, good. But blueberries. Now we're talking. Well, and then I had my uncle come by because my uncle is kind of like what I would describe as like a typical manor, like pretty, pretty like stoic, you know, kind of down to business, just getting shit done. And I was like, I need Uncle Rick to come look at it because he's going to tell me how it is.
1: Had you seen it yet or you're still just going off?
0: Well, I was debating whether I was going to fly up. Oh, right. Because I now knew at this point you do not buy a piece of land without seeing it in person. (laughs) Yeah. So I sent my uncle over and he's on the phone with me and I'm just expecting him to dash all my dreams and be like, it's all right. Like, you know, but he gets on the phone and he was pretty, he was like, yeah, here's what it is, you know? And then at the end, he's like, it's pretty nice. And I was like, oh, that's like a rave review of my <laughs> uncle. And he just said it's pretty nice. nice. So I put in an offer that day. <laughs> I was like, all right, if Uncle Works said it's pretty nice, this is like maybe a good option. Put in an offer and we were under contract and then I flew up to see it. I don't know if you know this but one of the main state mottos is the way life should be i personally think this is the perfect description of maine and i am probably guilty of overusing this phrase whenever i visit the cabin the very first thing i do is head straight for the guest book because there's nothing i love more than hearing what our recent guests have been up to where they ate shopped hiked and what they enjoyed most about their stay in freeport this is one of my favorite recent entries After two years of not being able to find time to get away since our engagement, walking into this inviting and carefully thought out cabin allowed us to finally take a deep breath. Having no cares in the world except keeping the wood stove going and our pup happy is our new definition of relaxed. If this doesn't describe the way life should be, I don't know what does. So if you're looking to get a taste of this, head to our Airbnb calendar and book your stay. And if you can't find any that work, don't forget to sign up for our email list. This is where we send any last-minute cancellations and where we open each seasonal calendar first. We can't wait to host you. And I came up here and saw it and almost immediately knew. And then the last day before I left, I brought my hammock. I brought a four-pack of beer, and I just hung it up in the woods. And I was like, I'm just going to like see how it feels. And I still have a video I took of that. And that was the moment where I was like,
2: this is going to be i think so feeling sweet. it feeling it's huge we did a lot of feeling out there very important to
0: figure out placement and that's like i ended up when we came up to clear the land we had a general idea but we like pitched the tent in different spots and we were like how do we want to or-? we spent a while thinking about orienting it but picking the land was definitely and once you pick the land then you have a better idea of like where you want to put it what size you're thinking where you want the windows like all of that stuff it just became a lot easier once you had the
1: land i think when you're buying a home you don't even consider that it's almost just there but when you're, course, when you're building right? and then but it's so hard to orient you walk into the woods and sometimes it could just be acres of woods and you just step in and you don't even have boundaries maybe there's like a rock wall you know five thousand feet yeah. that way so it's to really sit in the woods and it's like imagine where things are going to be and what it's going to look like one day i mean like you got to have you know you got to be able to visualize that yes. yeah it's top. so and it's
0: all dollar signs because you're like oh i want it nestled back here and then you bring in the site work people and they're like well it's more in this for tree removal and then we have to like dig trenches for the power lines to go back this far and it's going to be this much more and like the septic field like and it just all adds up. And yeah. you have to like, it really tests how committed you are to that vision, what, what you're the, willing to compromise. <laughs>
1: was there something that landed you where your house is here? Or oh, yeah. was it? Okay, yeah, we'll of course. That. I mean, it's the rock. It's, it's the, the rock. It was we always got as far
0: the into the woods as we could get we until we hit the rock. And I was like this, we're going to be nestled right up against this cozy ass rock. That's perfect. And that was, that was where I, I like hung up the hammock and was like, this is going to be. And it did, it was helpful to have some barrier. And then at this point, I think I knew he was going to be designing it because i remember facetiming with him on the land i think when we cleared it um to talk about orientation and which way we wanted to face it and then when he actually came to visit the cabin i think i fucked it all up and we oriented it wrong but his designs are so good with so many windows that like it didn't matter we still had beautiful sunlight but he was like, this isn't, I think the sun is in a different spot than you said it was. And I'm like, this does not surprise me. This sounds <laughs> just about you're right. right
1: this I is view. opposite. But Did I cold calling. cold
2: reach out to Pete. Yeah, is I messaged
0: a... him on Instagram and I was like, hi, sir. I, I I don't know what I said, but I was, you know, <laughs> I was like, um, I'm building a cabin in Maine and I've been scrolling Instagram and I've just been really overwhelmed with designs until I saw yours. And I was just like, this is it. Like, there's nothing else to it. This is it. And I said, except for the fact that I need a bathroom and I need running water and you don't seem to have that in yours. So, um, so it's mostly
1: a style. He kind of really did cabin. His cabin.
0: first cabin. When I messaged him, I think he only had the one design that he was selling, which was the Raven House original. And it's the one that he built.
1: Which is, that's, pretty close to this design yeah pretty similar, it's in right? the cabin
0: porn okay. book it's like you know one of in my mind i'm biased but like one of the original cabins that kind of set off the cabin porn movement like he was one of the first cabins on instagram that had like tens of thousands of followers and it had no bathroom no running water nothing and i didn't realize that until i bought the plans and i looked at them and i was like where's the bathroom hiding in here and once i realized it wasn't there is was when i messaged him
1: it was a true cabin it was it was <laughs>
0: And he did not, he might have responded right away, but he's like, I'm really busy. Can we get in touch in a couple of weeks? Like, I can't remember. There was like a big delay period. I do not know what I was doing during that delay other than like maybe clearing the land. Just
1: stressing out about it. I, don't, I honestly don't
0: years remember years. being stressed. I don't remember. And then he got back to me and he's like, yeah, let's work on this. So we worked together on the design, which is now the Raven House Northeast. But we really futzed around with especially the loft area and the stairs and like, how to orient the bedroom because there isn't a bedroom in the original one. So that was just like the most different part. The bathroom and the utility room were easy to add on. We just put them on the outside. But we had a lot of phone calls on like Saturdays. (laughs) where We'd sit there for like an hour or two and just play around with different thoughts on like how we could orient it until we landed on something that felt really good.
2: I was going to say flutzt around was probably yeah weeks so. initially we, because we were talking about timeline here too and we did we we bought our land before you bought that mm-hmm. is that what we figured out yeah like seven months before yeah that. and then sounds like you just put the gas pedal down and somehow oh yeah
0: but that's like my mo <laughs> like, yeah i don't have that's what way. i think
2: Futs around was probably like you were uh you were on all gas and no break, break.
0: <laughs> oh i think pete and i nailed down the plan in a matter of two weeks like is fast yeah i mean there were some things along the way like when it came time to order windows i was like working with my builder but then i'd run everything by Pete. every time i came up here i'd run stuff by Pete because i just had such a deep respect for his vision and what he had created that i really want i i cared a lot about this being a testament to his designs first and foremost because i'm just obsessed with his designs and i like wanted it to be that but second i just respect him i mean through that process i learned um spoiler alert we're gonna have pete on the podcast so i can't wait for you all to see this too right but like he's he's just like the kindest human he's so like slow speaking and intentional and thoughtful and just like to me kind of epitomizes cabin culture because that's what i think of or people who are not caught up in like the speed of capitalism i don't even know if this makes sense just but are slow just... down a bit <laughs> yeah and i don't do that i'm like i have an idea and i'm like going to execute and he really did force me to slow down a little bit but i also think he appreciated that i was like we're going to get this thing done yeah. cuz he wanted to see the plan you know what i mean like it was win win for both of us but his presence and energy was so good for me from like day one, I
2: think going back to that original thing, when finding a relationship with either whoever you're working with, builder or designer or anything, everything. Yeah. like you have to have, be able to see similarly what your, your vision is. Either you're going to have something that's extravagant and someone's got to talk you down and that's got to be a good relationship back and forth, or you have to push that person to like, you know represent what you see in your head. Yeah.
0: And the hardest part that I didn't see coming, because I assembled what I consider like an all-star team. And it was my cousin who has been building since he was like 16 and just like does really high end builds, amazing attention to detail. Also really good guy who's like pretty laid back, made the whole thing really easy. You have him, you have Pete, who I've already like sung his praises. And then my interior designer is named Jordan. And she worked with me on some rooms at my house before and is also a friend of mine and i just love her like she's worked for like oprah magazine and like been on tv and like just has an amazing eye but is also like how did you land this relationship with jordan um how do we first meet she hired me to do a film for her so i did a film for her and then i fell in love with her work and i was like do you want to do a trade do you want to design my new house This is the house I was living in in North Carolina, and then I'll make videos about the process. So we did like a four-part video series about what it looks like to design a room from start to finish, and she designed the room for me, and it's my bedroom at home, and it's like fucking amazing. She's just so talented. So I had these three amazing people, and then me kind of steering the ship, right? And orchestrating it all. I was like, this is gonna be amazing. But then along the way, there were a lot of moments where what the builder recommends comes in conflict with what the house designer wants, or what the interior designer wants is something that the builder is like, well, that's going to be really expensive, or that's going to be difficult, or that lead time is, you know, and you just had, and I wasn't expecting to play this kind of like mediation role. And I think because I cared about all three of them so much, it became even more tricky. It wasn't just about what do I want, it became about like, how do I keep everyone happy? And how do I make sure everyone knows how much I respect their vision? Even if in this moment, I might disagree with you or want to push you a little bit. And that was the hardest part for me.
1: And you have to be a little bit selfish. Like you got to be firm on what you want. But like, it's hard. It's a hard balance to keep everybody happy because this is your team. Like if you piss anybody off and
0: something unravels. And I just didn't want anyone to feel disrespected. Like I really valued all of their perspectives and their visions. But there were just times where I couldn't do all of them. So I had to make a decision. And that was probably the hardest part for me.
1: Did you ever get them around like the same table, like did they all meet? No,
0: I will say when Pete came to visit the cabin, like after we'd finished, I was like, Pete, whenever you want to come, like I will host you whenever you don't have to pay anything. I'm so excited.
1: Is he local? No, he's he's in Canada.
0: Yeah, but his wife has either, I think she's from Maine or has connections to Maine. And so he was supposed to come originally right away that summer. And then that got changed for some reason. And he came this spring. And so when he came, I hired a photographer to come and photograph him at the cabin because I really wanted images of like him here. Mm-hmm. And I also invited Corey. And so Jordan lives in North Carolina, so she didn't come. But the three of us, that was the first time we got to meet and we like had beers and hung out here. And, you know, I made them awkwardly pose for photos. With, like, <laughs> oh, someone that I hired. But I love those photos because it really is like it was the teamwork that built this yeah. place. And then
2: I think those are cool, cool moments to like and celebrate feels like a weird word. But um We, I think missed some of them. And like, we just kept saying, like, we have to figure out to do something at certain like milestones and stuff. And you get so wrapped up in the process that um, recognizing certain points of the build is huge. Yeah, this is where we need to know your Enneagram
0: number. Because I'm an Enneagram seven. I did not miss a single opportunity to celebrate. We had champagne in our fridge constantly. And like building permit got approved, which took way longer than it should have. Pop that champagne. Like, you know, we got the CO, pop the champagne. Like, whatever the milestone was, the two of us were quick to like pop a bottle of champagne and like celebrate it. Cabin warming, when we finished the cabin, we threw a cabin warming party and had So Corey's company built it, and Corey was here for a lot of the big moments. But Jeff and Zach are the two guys who were here, like, every day. They were the ones, like, building every (laughs) wall. Like, you know, Corey was managing it. But, like, these two dudes were here, like, through the winter, like, keeping warm around a barrel fire out back, snowboarding off the rock, like... (laughs) they were like in it right these two like also built working the cabin here, also working here. but like apparently on fridays i came one time we were in town and someone went over to the snow and pulled out beer from like underneath the snow and i was like this is my kind of crew nice. like it's just good dudes yeah. like the whole team and so when we had the cabin worm I mean, it was so fun to have like them here with their girlfriends and like cool. to have Corey here, and like to have everyone that we could have here, just celebrating in a finished cabin. Like that was probably my favorite moment of the build to be able to celebrate that.
1: Which I think thing. is good because I feel like when you think about like cabins, it's always like, oh yeah, you know, my grandfather built this cabin. There's always like, you know, the story of someone who built this cabin. It's never just like, oh, look at my cabin, and like you don't hear the story, but right. it's like. When you have the time to reflect on all those milestones it's like well this is it this is us building the cab this is us this is grandpa building the cabin like here we are so like, yeah. let's take that in. i think that's cool did you do any time capsule thing here did you put a picture of you in a wall somewhere i feel like you must have done we something
0: we wrote like something on that on the stud yeah. when we were here we wrote a message of intent okay. there's a picture of it on our instagram
1: we did that but
0: you didn't do it
2: we'll have to get the chisel out and hit the
1: foundation wall or something do you remember what the message said? Was it a message to the future homeowners? or was No, it-, it,
0: was, it was like, may this be a place that holds many happy memories for us and helps others see the way life should be for years to come. So it was very much about us first and foremost, which is what this cabin has always been about. We plan to retire here. But to me, almost as important, not quite as important, but almost as important as being able to share this with other people because I love Maine and so many people in my life in North Carolina have never been here. So create my goal always from the very beginning was... Um, I want to create a place, not that people who are traveling to Freeport already will like have a nice place to stay. I want to create a place that brings people to Freeport, that they find my platform was Instagram, that they find on Instagram and want to come. And they're like, well, I don't know about Freeport. Like it seems cool. And then they come and we have this whole guest book of things right. for them to do. And they leave after four or five days and are like, well, shit, Freeport yeah. is like a cool place to go. And I love the cabin. And those are the wins for me when I read guest book entries that like, we didn't want to leave the cabin, but when we did, boy, did we enjoy these four places that you suggested. Like, I like that about it. Uh,
2: I think Airbnb is recognizing that too in their categories. Yeah, they make so there's cabins. There's just I think there's one called like Wow or something.
0: There's so many yeah, now it's unique like spaces. Street.
2: Omg, yeah, and the, oh, the yeah, trees OMG. or something, and uh, people and the company is recognizing it that like they they want to travel and do something cool. Like you can stay anywhere.
0: And you don't care. And like you, could,
2: you could you stay in someone's place too. That's just a house. But I think people are interested in, in doing something different, especially now. And that's kind of, I mean, we can get then into that in the later podcast, but the difference between just renting out, you know, a place or buying a place in the city or outside the city or near a venue or something that is just a house versus creating something that people go to i think it helps some people like step outside their comfort zone too just like well what's going on at this place and it's like well there's skiing nearby there's hiking nearby and like maybe i'm not a hiker but like the kind of story or experience you're crafting is like well you know let's let's give it a try yeah and it's it's there and it's it's something different and i like that that it inspires that
1: and then throughout The build, obviously, you worked with your cousin, right? He built the place. I mean, was there any, because I know you asked us some questions about working as a team and like being friends and related. If we ran into any issues, I mean, did you, were there any moments where, in a way, you're like, oh, I kind of wish I didn't know you because I would just scream at you about this? Or has it, was it really always just like he understood your vision? He knows your personality. You both know each other. So it was a good, team or was there like oh man sometimes that's what you know when you hire people you know it's like oh this this is tough because i really need to tell you this is not good but has did you run into any of this even i mean pete it sounds like you guys designed this pretty smoothly but yeah
0: yeah i mean there was one one moment and i would say we made it through the entire build and honestly both i can be laid back i can be pretty tight in some ways like i like to execute on something but i can be pretty laid back like it takes a lot i think to really rattle me and Corey is like One of the most laid back people I know. Like, I love that about him. He would call me with stuff every day and it just always made me feel at ease, like never stressed me out. It was at the very end when there were a couple things that didn't get done that were not like, it was the bookshelf in the loft and then there is supposed to be a storage closet right underneath those stairs. It's supposed to pull out and it's going to be like drawers and storage that didn't get done in time. And... And that turned into, like, I got really frustrated, partially. And it was, and and I regret, (laughs) I mean, looking back, like, I wish I'd been able to be more laid back about it, but at the end of a build, as you know, and we had, open up the calendar so we had guests booked and that's where I think the biggest misunderstanding was is if you've never hosted before you don't understand the idea that you can't just pop back in and like finish something this is not a rainy day project when your team has like a spare day you can kind of finish this up we're
1: going to be at work during the day so the the doors unlock and my
0: vision was like we're going to be booked solid from the beginning that was my hope and it ended up being the case for I mean it has been since we opened it and so there wasn't we have you know a five hour window in between guests every couple of days but our cleaners here cleaning like you can't bring a team in here and finish something so it just ended up being and we were drinking champagne around a fire (laughs) when that fight came to a head and i do regret that was not like the right scenario to address that particular issue yeah. um so i definitely regret that but that was honestly looking back if that's the only moment that we had any moments of tension and sean has the skills so he built that bookshelf at two in the morning the night before our first guest came and that just oh, got go. it done so go.
1: maybe one of these days we'll interview sean and get his, his input on all the uh all the things he's added to close your rock
2: did you have a tough time figuring out when you were quote unquote finished with your place or did you got to a point and you were like this is good
0: no. Yeah, we knew. I mean, because I, from a business perspective, I was like, we want to launch in the summer because that's mean. that's yeah. the time to do it. We missed that deadline by a little bit. My goal was June 1st, we would launch and we ended up launching August 1st, I think was our first guest. I think we got our CO mid-July and then we stayed here for two weeks furnishing it and doing all of that um and so there was just this really hard stop like we have guests arriving that day and so those last couple weeks were no joke on us like for all the work that we didn't do along the way when the was working on it it was just this never-ending list of stuff and we were every day i'd be like oh we're getting closer but then not really and we'd be up until like one in the morning and until that last night it was like you know we went to bed at like two and then just had to be done now that said since then there have been a lot of like decor projects that we've worked on but i would say i feel very close like the fire pit was one finishing off the hot tub so that it's fully insulated is another one and this last thing we're doing up in the loft but once those are done i feel like we're done you think
2: has anything changed since we saw you probably initially when you were at like 2,000 Instagram followers and now you're at 69-something, 70? Did you cross the
1: line? line? Wow, that big mouse on Jeff Champagne for that? We did not.
0: I have not. We've never popped <laughs> Champagne for followers.
1: And I know you said... Um, a
2: lot of your bookings come from your instagram. Yeah, follow-up. almost all of them. Is what is there anything specific that's changed about it since like you were smaller in following size to now that you'd like your previous self to know?
0: Mm-hmm. Or you
2: just been kind of I mean, running those with it. The
0: early stages were so fun. Like there is a part of me who honestly misses 2000 and less followers because I feel like when we were building People were in our DMs constantly in such a supportive, involved way. Like it felt like there was this community of people who were, for whatever reason, and to this day, I don't really know why, but I will take it, who were invested in the build to the degree that like I would post about this stove and like what direction should we face it. And it would be like days of conversations that would push my own thinking and like Mm -hmm. make me really think more deeply about it. And then you know, just every piece of it, paint colors, like these two paint colors were given to me by Instagram followers who were like, if you need a white, I'll never search for whites again. This is it. And it's, that's the white on our cabin, you know? Um, and it felt like there were these people that I didn't know in real life and yet were such a big part of the encouragement and the momentum. And it did feel like, I don't know what the number is, but it did feel like there was a tipping point where when we started getting more, it was like, wow, this is like really a thing that those people started backing off a little bit yeah. for whatever reason and i don't know at that point was also right around when we finished building so there weren't as many like choices it was more about hosting than it was about the build so it could be that too but i sometimes like miss my old instagram friends
2: i remember you you saying on some of the stories that like it was very personal with those that smaller group of people and it's grown very big now, but you've you've still done an unreal job of like getting on there and answering questions and talking and chatting with people for 70,000 people. Yeah, that's the
0: fun part for me though. And still to this day, now the people I'm closest to on Instagram, some cabin owners, there's like a handful of other cabin owners. We hear from a lot of cabin owners. So it's hard for me sometimes to like get to know the people. So the ones that I've gotten to know in the early days when people messaged me, the first message I always send back was like, Hi, I'm Janice, like hoping that they would introduce themselves because they really hated having conversations with I know the name of your cabin, but I don't know you as a human.
1: Like us, like our, like our, like, like, like all
0: of Yeah. And we'll so the better. ones like Alexis from Kingdom A-Frame was a big one. And I don't know if she introduced herself or how that even started, but it felt like it always felt like a human interaction. And that was really beautiful. And so to this day, the people that I'm still closest with are those cabin owners who I know as humans and our guests. Like we, because so many booked on Instagram, the ones who like tag us, there's, a handful I can think of now that I just like love the the couple who was here for Thanksgiving last year. um, She's become a good friend. She's in like social media stuff. So she's like hopped on Zoom calls and like coached me on TikTok, which is a mystery to me. And like, it's just like the kindest person. And so now it's with guests, which I actually really like because a lot of them come back and they'll message me about just different things than the build. But Um, I I think I had more regular personal conversations during the build than we do now. Now it's a lot more strangers asking about the same paint colors and siding colors all the time, which is fine. And I'm happy to answer that, but that's not personal. There's no relationship there in the way that there was at the beginning.
2: I think wrapping up and kind of bringing it all together, um, that's one of the coolest things and the the most significant things we saw very early on is how involved all the hosts are in this cabin, quote unquote, community culture um, with answering questions, just being friendly, like kind of having this bond over either having a place or being interested in it and and the people, yeah, I, I think that's what kind of brought us all to this table here literally.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that community is made up in my mind of like the hosts and cabin owners, the people who are building, and also the dreamers and the travelers right there's kind of these four buckets often the travelers are also dreamers it's part of the reason why they like traveling to cabins is cuz and and i like that like they're all equally valuable just cuz you have a cabin or have been hosting for 8 years it's just as valuable to have a conversation with a dreamer and like who still thinks about this as much as you do if not more i mean yeah. man when you're in that dreaming stage it's all consuming. you're just like yeah
1: just getting everything
0: and that's just such a fun stage that when you're deep in the weeds of a build or the hosting you kind of forget about the allure of the whole cabin porn world that brought you here in the first place and so getting to talk to people who are just dreaming is like so fun but it's really energizing to keep talking to the people who are dreaming and they're the ones most often in your dms asking those questions so while sometimes it's like okay I've answered this question 12 times on reels but like by answering it again you just never know what relationship might come from that or what like little boost you might give someone who needed that push to keep like doing yeah. it.
1: You just don't want to put the fire out. You gotta. Yeah, I think it that's it.
0: Yeah. yeah, even if I might be like, okay, I've answered this a bunch of times and this is not exciting to me anymore. This is deeply exciting to yeah, somebody. Because that's
1: their first step. like, oh, look at this. I just found this page. So that, they're that was like working
0: first. on their mood board for the living room. And honestly, mood boards are what keep the dream alive during the build. And they're like, I just need the right paint color. You know, and it like really is that crucial? Yeah. Even though on the other end, it might be like, okay, Sherwin-Williams cyberspace. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like sorry, but sorry. to them, that's like, yes, that's I finally it. found the color.
2: It's yeah. free. Cyberspace is
0: free. <laughs> (laughs) so what can we expect
2: from cabin culture moving forward here
0: i mean my interest and hope is just to have more conversations like this with people in all different phases i think it would be really fun to talk to dreamers to talk to builders to talk to hosts all phases of that because i do think that in terms of like getting moving in that first step forward information for a lot of people it depends on your personality type but for a lot of people like that's the crucial thing to making it go from a dream to reality so being able to like pull those resources i think could be empowering for other folks but also just fun for us to get to have those conversations with a whole bunch of different people so if any of that sounds interesting to you listening out there i don't know a whole lot about this world yet but i do know that apparently liking reviewing subscribing and sharing are pretty important so if any of this sounds interesting to you We definitely encourage you to tune in to the next episode where we'll be interviewing people besides ourselves, but also doing any of those things would be a huge help in finding other folks who might find something useful here. The fire is still not going, so we're going to have to sign off and uh, really get that thing going. But until next time, thanks for joining us. You guys, thank you so much for joining us for episode one of the cabin culture podcast. Stay tuned next week for our very first official guest, Pete Long. Not only did he design Cozy Rock Cabin, but he is also the mastermind behind the OG Raven House Cabin located up north in Canada. What I love about Pete is that not only can he talk to us about some of the nitty gritty things like building and planning and designing but he also just has a heart for the cultures around cabins, not about mass production, not about massive profits, but about escaping, about nature, about restarting, refreshing, all of the things that draw people to cabins in the first place pete seems to understand at his core so i'm most excited not just for the how-to pieces but also just to hear a bit more about the way that pete looks at the world and how that shapes the work that he does so make sure to join us we'll see you then